Hey educators, what's the scoop? Are you ready to be inspired by great things happening in rural Arizona classrooms? The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas, an innovative curriculum. We'll dive into current school issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of teachers, administrators, and educational professionals who will provide relevant and engaging content each episode. And now, serving up the Rural Scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sador. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for tuning in with us today. Dr. Christy Sandvik is the superintendent of the Buckeye Elementary School District, as well as the newly elected president-elect of AASA. She's going to be talking with us today about the work that she and her district have done around equity. Christy, are you ready to give us the scoop? I am, and I first want to say thank you so much for the invitation to talk with uh, you and the listeners. Before we get started with our questions, uh, can you give our listeners a bit of information about you and your background, and then also introduce us to your district? Well, for, for sure. Um, I am uh, from uh, Oregon. I grew up in a, a small uh, town. The, the name of the town is Klamath Falls, and I've uh, been out in Buckeye, Arizona now, um, going on almost 10 years, and absolutely love it. Love what I do every day, and um, a little bit about our district. We are um, the fastest just about the fastest growing um, school district in Maricopa County. And I think several people know this already, but Maricopa County is the fastest county uh, growing, growing fastest, fastest growing county in uh, the United States. And Buckeye is the fifth fastest growing city in the United States. So um, our district is experiencing quite a bit of growth. We, um, right now we have about um, 5,600 students. We're a K-8 district. We have um, seven schools um, getting ready to build um, school number eight. And um, we, um, our, our student uh, population is, it's, the demographic is, um, majority is Hispanic. Um, and then our second population of students um, is uh, primarily white. And then it's a, mi a mixture of, of uh, other um, ethnicities. Um, we in Buckeye, um, our tagline is a community passionate about student success, and we work really hard to ensure that all students have uh, equitable opportunities. So I'm, uh, you know, encouraged and, and uh, looking forward to our conversation today about how to deliver equitable outcomes for all students. And um, things in Buckeye are just really, um, really good. We have we add about 350 students um, annually, and so wow. growth is, yep, growth is a challenge. But uh, I would like I have a famous saying that I would always, uh, you know, I refer to often is that I would, you know, I'd rather be opening schools than closing schools. So we're very fortunate. Very our, true. <laughs> yeah. For our our listeners who might not know Christy, what is equity as it relates to schools and students? Well, I really appreciate this question. Um, we have, and we're going to talk about this a little later, I think, in the podcast, but we are fortunate enough that we have student-based equity clubs. And recently, I sat in on one of the um, groups of students that were defining, in their words, what equity meant to them. And uh, I listened in on, I think she's a sixth grader, and her name's Teresa, and this really resonated with me from a student's lens, a student lens. She said that, um, in her words, the definition of equity meant 
not leaving the someone out of the something. And so as I speak about this nationally and in our state with school board members and, you know, administrators and teachers and students like her, I um, talk to them about, you know, from the student's point of view, what equity means. And, and so once again, I'm going to restate that it means not leaving the someone out of the something. And so if you think about it, um, it's a, it's a very powerful um, way to explain the term equity. Uh, and and to, to me, it just means that making sure that everyone gets what they need. That's a great way to look at it. How insightful of a sixth grader yeah. to be able to frame it that way. Yep. So when your district first started looking at achievement gaps, because I know that's where you started, what were some of the trends and the patterns that you and your administrative team were seeing? Well, what we did is back in 2011, we took a look at our data. And what we saw is that in uh, basically in our non-white students, and in particular, it was our students of color, black students and Hispanic students, fifth grade uh, students were not performing as well as we would have liked in uh, mathematics. And so we identified that area as a problem of practice. And along with that, in particular, that category of students were also being suspended at a disproportionate rate. So um, we, it wasn't, it was not only a problem academically, but we also looked at that as a problem of practice for, for kids. And that's sort of how we began the, the journey, as I like to call it, down mm -hmm. um, the path towards achieving equity for not only that population of students, but it also began our journey towards equity for all students. So that was the, um, the target of, um, I think, really our, our again our journey is is really identifying that problem of practice so when you started that identification process that journey that you're talking about what were those first steps that you took toward addressing equity within the district well the first thing we did is like i said we took a look at the data and there were some significant spotlights on that fifth grade um area of, of need in mathematics and uh, black and Hispanic students in particular. So we created awareness around that with our, our school board, our administrators and our teachers. But then we also did some um, book studies and um, some cultural awareness around, you know, maybe the, the, the why, why was this happening? Once we um, established a baseline awareness around practice, we then launched uh, student and staff and parent surveys in our community. Just, just to, again, um, I guess, continue that ground level work around what is equity, um, also begin some work around um, some cultural awareness with vocabulary and understanding why things were, why some disproportionality and suspension was happening. We also kind of went at this at uh, two levels. We, 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 we had some negative based um, uh, discipline programs. So while we were, uh, administering these surveys, the district was also going through some strategic planning. And within that strategic planning, we were formulating um, a transitional equity plan. And with the, with the equity plan, we were, took, we were taking a look at how we could better inform our pedagogy practices to include uh, cultural awareness, training. Um, we wanted to really involve our students. And that, that, 
that. We took several years to embark um, this journey I'm talking about, which incorporated student voice and MSAN cl clubs. And the students really are the ones that deserve the credit. They, they took on um, action planning that informed our community on, hey, this is really important work and we want things to change. So it was, it's been, and it continues to be an incredible, I think, effort of all hands on deck. And mm -hmm. I, I'm going to refer back to our tagline of a community passionate about student success, ensuring that every student gets what he or she needs. And it's nice to see that in our transitional equity plan, which you can find online, the adults are working on the things that they need and the students are working on the things that they need all under the umbrella of of what's best for everybody and in that equity lens. Christy, can I dive a little bit deeper into that cultural awareness piece in terms of teachers? How did you um, start with creating that awareness for your staff? You mentioned book studies, but beyond just book studies, what kind of work did you do to make sure that they understood what was happening? We did some training um, around un, um, some uh, unconscious bias that we all have. Um, the book studies help, but we also did some training so that folks were in safe spaces to um, have um, uh, just conversation. Uh, and part of that is just building that foundational level of support for staff. And um, remember earlier, I, I talked about um, identifying a problem of practice. We, we just really had to kind of have a conversation with each other about, you know, this, this can't continue. We can't continue our negatively based um, discipline programs. And, and kids that um, were missing school um, and being suspended or what have you were also not doing well academically. So we had to change our practice. And that in, along with the, those kids may need um, additional services or they may need something more. That is all along the path of equity. Um, and what was really neat was the students through conversation, took on those action plans and in their equity clubs. And I'll give you an example of something that they, that one of our student clubs did. You know, Follette will, will come in and they'll take um, an inventory of books in your library. And then I'm sure lots of school districts do this where mm -hmm. they'll uh, to update your books, you know, your libraries need X. Well, what we used to do um, is all of our schools would get an, a library allocation. Well, what the MSAN clubs, and MSAN stands for Minority Student Achievement Network, which we're part of a national organization that does this work. The, the student um, action clubs, and they go down to like fifth grade, so fifth grade through eighth grade, they decided what was important for them. And again, this didn't just happen overnight. This is after years and years of, of, of layers of work, that the library books in their individual schools needed updated, but they they wanted the library books to be more reflective of the students that were represented in their, in their schools. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about that cultural pedagogy that um, the, the stories represented student, students and adults that looked like them. Right. So some of the, the, the uh, schools were provided a larger allocation from the district than other schools. And, you know, sometimes we think that one size fits all. Well, this is a perfect example of a district being able to say, well, school X is going to get 
a little bit more in their library allocation than school Y, because the students have decided that they want to update their library books to reflect more culturally relevant materials. And so in terms of equity, that's something that I'm very proud of that the, that the student-based groups identified and were then able to update their, their library books and, um, and then the district can say, you know, this is an, an opportunity to provide different funding-based solutions. So hmm. that's well, how powerful that it came from the school community mm -hmm. rather than from the district level. Yes, and, and the students themselves. And it's another way that the students then are empowered to talk to the adults about why that's important to them. And two, students feel safe to have those courageous conversations with each other and their parents. So it's a win-win-win. So speaking of parents, how did you invite the parents in the community into those equity conversations that you were having? Well, I have an annual, um, well, it's not just annual anymore. They, they used to be annual and they're quarterly and monthly. Lots of different ways that I meet with parents as a superintendent. We have um, parent superintendent councils, and then we have parent, uh, parent coffee with the superintendent. So when we first, we've been doing this work since 2011, so almost 10 years, really. Mm -hmm. And so when we first started this, it was... Um, always upfront conversation about this is why we always gave them the why this is why we're, we're working on this and that goes back to that problem of practice and then we constantly communicate with all of our parents about the information that we're we're gleaning from our staff surveys and our parent surveys and so i think when you shoulder to shoulder and you're constantly communicating you're going to get less resistance about mm -hmm. uh, about all the work and then um, it's always an opportunity to invite parents in to see the work. Um, but the other part is when the students are this involved, it, it's just a little bit um, easier because the students are so excited about the work and they're meeting their goals. So we just continue to invite all the parents in to see the great things that we're doing. And then our student achievement has been increasing too. And our positive discipline programs, even though there's consequences for kids that, you know, are, are um, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Sure. It's, it's just not at the uh, disproportionate rate that we were seeing before. So um, involving parents through surveys, involving them through committees and, and getting their input, it, it, it really is the right way to go. And you mentioned before that students are a critical part of your equity programming and why it works. So, so can you Give us a little bit more, Christy, about those MSAN groups. The MSAN clubs are, they're student-based, but they also have adult advisors. And um, we're part of that national organization, Minority Student Achievement Network. And it has a branch that's research-based. It's called the Research Practitioner Council. So everything that we do is scientifically research-backed. So that's a really important piece, too. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we're just making up stuff as we go here. And so um, the students, along with their advisor, will uh, develop action plans and goals. And again, it's, um, this is all tied to our strategic plan that's set with the superintendent and the, and the board at the beginning of, the, of, of every year, we kind of revisit that. And um, every month during, sometimes we have a couple times a month, but usually, well, every month for sure, we have a student representative 
that sits on our board that gives a, a brief update, not every month, but pretty generally an update on what's going on in our, our oldest schools and one of the MSAN advisor um, clubs and then a fifth grader girl, a fifth grade girl spoke so eloquently about the importance of equity and funding and what her goals are for that club. And so I think when you involve students, whether they're crafting the questions that go in the survey that goes out to the community, or you're helping them to define what equity means to them, or I think my favorite part is that they present their work. Um, mm -hmm. They've presented at the state, they've presented nationally, we've had a national group come and see their work. It just empowers them and it helps them you know, feel just a sense of accomplishment. It helps them network throughout the state and nationally. And I think ultimately you're helping the, um, the cause you know, for, the, for the future too. So it's really, really good work that they're, that they're doing. You've spoken, Christy, about some of the successes that you have, but what are some of the challenges that you've faced in closing those gaps? And how did you address those challenges? Well, just, I think our district is no different than any other district. We're all, we all have the uh, challenge of funding. You know, when you have to make choices to fund one, uh, one thing over another thing, when the funding, is, the, the pot is dry to begin with, it's really hard. So, um, you know, we're, no, we're not unique in that challenge. The funding is really tough and trying to prioritize and address issues, it's just, it's very, very difficult. However, I would say having a framework to, by which to, to, to prioritize certainly helps with that systematic approach. One of the things that's really difficult, um, and I don't know if this is unique to us, I, have a, I, don't, I don't know, is just hiring that quality staff Mm. and retaining them that that potent, that match your student body. So if you're a majority minority district that you have a lot of students of color, it, it's really important that you, you know, try to embrace and hire um, teachers and support staff and administrators who are also um, of, 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 of a different race. And sometimes that's hard to find when we're in such a a teacher shortage. And I would just imagine that that's a unique challenge that rural schools might face as well. Right. Getting applicants to apply at all is oftentimes a challenge, let alone trying to find diversity within your applicant pool. Right. But, but I, you know, that's not to say that you can't start the work the way we did or um, the way other districts that are doing this work can. It, the other thing that um, when you have turnover, like we all do in education, you know, sometimes you just, to stay ahead of it, it's really important that you have the framework that I'm talking about to kind of, you know, anchor yourself to so that you're not constantly on the, on the treadmill and chasing yourself because, you know, you have new, you have new teachers, you have new administrators. Um, as long as you have a stable uh, framework to, to which to return to, you're, you're less likely to lose your way. So then your part of your new teacher orientation would definitely involve onboarding of your equity platform. Yes. And, and we also, through the years, because like I said, we've been doing this work for so long now, we have our human resources department has some really good questions that we 
we ask through the hiring process because mm -hmm. we're really looking for teachers that there's a lot of training out there now on equity-based practices. Not to say that we can't do some of that in-house, but we're looking for teachers that have some training in equity. Um, we're fortunate that our school board is very supportive of this. We've done a lot of training with the awareness piece and just all of the um, all of the the things that go along with with moving a school district towards cultural relevant practices. And and so you know, like I said, we started this in 2011, and it's almost you know 2020. So <laughs> um, you know, setting those structures in place. That's all been done, and um, it, it's a real celebration. I'm very proud of that work. Did you find that there were resistors when you first started talking about equity issues, and how did you deal with that? Not really, um, but I will tell you, I think the reason, well, I came from Oregon, and I had a lot of training and a lot of experience with this work, and so I brought that. I keep referring to it as a framework. I brought that experience to the district. And so there was, again, a lot of groundwork laid for that. And so a lot of conversation, strategic, I call it strategic conversation, was done before we even started, um, before we even started, I, I hate calling it the work, but before we started the work, you know. And um, we were just in the right spot to, 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 start making some changes. You know, my advice, if anybody wants it, on how you get started on this, first of all, there's a lot of resources out there. ASBA, Arizona School Boards Association, does an annual event, their equity event, that's really good. The Minority Student Achievement Network, msan.org, has some fantastic um, resources. I'm able to, able and willing to talk to anybody that wants to get started. But you know, once you start to look at your data, and everyone does look at data, it's what they do with it that is the most important. Right. If you can kind of identify your areas, and I call them problems of practice, and you, and you are ready to make a change, and usually it's because something's not, you know, you've tried some, you've tried everything, and it, you're ready to, to really look at that. There's transformational equity frameworks out there. Um, ours is available and, and you start to really dig into what is the problem of practice you know why is why is what you're doing not working um, and you're committed your board and your superintendent and your senior staff is committed to making some some real efforts the work itself as long as you're committed to communicating to all your stakeholders especially when you involve students begins to fall into place you, you set goals and you know this because I, I know you personally are, are very action oriented. You set your framework and you have your goals and then you celebrate your, your wins along the way. And, right. And, and uh, great things happen and, and you know, excellence and equity kind of go hand in hand and, and good things happen for all. And I, I think it's probably important to point out too, Christy, you're, you're looking at equity not just in terms of um, academic equity, but you're looking at the whole child, whether it's academics or it's behaviors or it's other things that might not be in place for a student in order to achieve their very best. Right. So yeah. it's important to gather data on all of those different items that might be levers to uh, preventing student success. 
Well, for sure. You know, I think that digital divide, you know, in the technology space is a really good one to um, help people understand equity. And, and, you know, when we talk about, especially in our districts, we're a high poverty district. When we talk about access to technology and in terms of technology, just think about it. So we want kids to have real world experience. We want kids to be able to innovate and problem solve, be creative thinkers and Mm -hmm things in the educational space that you and I could talk for hours about. And when they come to school, you know, um, in some of our schools, they have wonderful access and we're trying really hard through the use of building renewal funds and all this stuff to get them one-to-one. Now, when they go home, if they live in a very poor area and for rural schools, I know that I'm speaking your language. Yes. They don't have access. Exactly. There's this huge divide. And so in terms of equity, we, we've, got to, we've got to put more resources into those schools and those districts, especially rural districts, so that the divide doesn't get even bigger. Um, and so when I talk about you know, equitable outcomes for all students, I'm talking about all students. We've got to figure out you know, for all kids to be successful, all kids have got to have equitable access to those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so th- those are those hard conversations because, you know, sometimes people have a hard time understanding that, well, that's not fair. But I think if you've had lots of conversation about the fact that, it, that it's important and that it's the right thing to do, then it's a little um, less controversial to get people to, to see the value of it. And one of my favorite comments is fair isn't everybody getting the same thing. Fair is everybody getting what they need. Yeah. So um, in terms of rural school challenges, Chrissy, you mentioned a little bit about the digital divide, and that's absolutely true. But what are some of the other unique challenges that rural superintendents or administrators that are looking to start this equity work might need to be aware of or thinking about? Well, I think the staff turnover is... Um, not necessarily a unique challenge to, to rural schools, although it could be, you know, that just, you know, you're constantly having to retrain and help people to understand the importance of equity. Um, depending on your school board status, um, that can sometimes be a challenge. You know, you have to have board support with this work. Um, you're definitely the technology, which we've mentioned, um, you know, um, Funding, that, that's sort of the central focus of equity, but your funding sources um, and making those tough, convers- making those tough choices um, without the foundational conversational work, you know, that's, um, people have to be trained in how to have courageous conversations. Mm-hmm. So if, if you go into a rural district and um, you get in a hurry and you haven't had the proper training, I know that sounds kind of, Um, I don't know what that sounds like, but it, it, you know, you have to be trained in how to hold courageous conversations um, and uh, have the time to do so. And, um, you know, some of the rural districts are, are, are just not blessed with, with folks that have had that, had had that training to do so. And then you, you, again, you have that, that turnover. So (laughs) once you can be trained that can come in and do it, then they, you, you, they've left. 
if a district were in just any district, mm -hmm. if a district were planning to start work around equity, why might they fail? You've addressed a couple of them, the training, not having school board support, funding. Yeah, I think, I think that if you don't know your data and you don't have a, you know, if you don't have a real set rationale as to why that I'm a big, I'm a big one on the identified problem of practice. If you don't, if you can't give your community a reason, you know, equity kind of is the buzzword right now and has been for a while. So I could kind of envision a district saying, oh, we're going to jump on the bandwagon. We're going to do this equity thing. And it, it isn't really like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just to be real blunt, it's, it isn't, that's not how it works. You really have to be um, mindful and specific about what you're doing. So in order to do that, you've got to be targeted with your efforts around in, you know what you're doing and and I guess you, you just I'm going to be really frank here you, sh you probably shouldn't wait for a problem to happen you know to have have something bad happen in your district to force you to work on equity <laughs> you should right. be looking at your data and be saying you know hey we're, we're not doing a very good job at whatever you're not doing a very good job at and putting together a targeted action plan to fix it and that's that's what those frameworks are there for for you. And I think that's why we didn't run into a lot of resistance because we said, "Hey, we can do better." And this is this is a plan to do so. And it it takes courage, but um, you know, I I think that's what being a community passionate about student success is all about. Christy, you mentioned a couple of resources that are out there for districts to tap into if they want more information. MSAN.org is one of them. Um, and you mentioned ASBA, and they do have a, a, an equity conference annually. But are there other resources that you're either aware of or that your district has used? Um, those are the two primary sources that we use. We do a lot of in-house on our own. Um, I know if you go on ASBA's website, they have, I want to say they have their own um, uh, section of their website that's, that's designated just for equity work. And it kind of depends on, you know, if you're a district and you're, maybe you're a brand new superintendent and you're thinking you want to dip your toe into this, you, you know, you can call ASA as well. And um, I know Mark Dornstad has some folks that he could connect you with. Um, people can call me and, you know, sometimes it's just a conversation about, hey, you know, we're working on our strategic plan and we want to, you know, just understand how to have a courageous conversation with our board. And, you know, ASBA does some great training. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of starting with a parent survey and we all, you know, we all do our staff and parent and community surveys and just to kind of get a general assessment of how your community feels that you're doing in terms of de delivering equitable outcomes for students. And that can kind of give a district an idea of, Hey, is this something that the perception is we're doing a good job with or not? So, you know, if somebody wants to get started on that, um, there, the ASBA is a good place to start, but you know, I, I just think that we all, like I said earlier, we all look at our, our student achievement data and you made an excellent point. It, it isn't just about how well kids are performing academically. It's about how well they feel. They, they themselves say to them, you know, do adults care about them from the eyes of a kid? 
Do I feel safe? Um, you know, do the materials that my teachers are teaching me, do they reflect who I am? And that's, that kind of information is all about equitable outcomes for kids. Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to know that is if you ask them. And, and so that, that's how you, the, the resources is you have to look within your district yourself and start doing some, some soul searching, so to speak, you know, <laughs> you know ask yourselves, are we doing what's right by kids and start sort of assessing that way. Do that data dive so yeah. that it informs the direction that you really need to take in yeah, terms someone, of equity. It's so funny, Melissa, someone said to me the other day, we were talking about all the equity work because we, you know, it's not like we, I always tell people, we don't put all the work we're doing out on a billboard. First of all, we're too busy doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they said, well, be careful what you ask because once you get the answers and you have to be willing to do something about it. Right. <laughs> you know, and we're just one of those districts that is constantly looking to improve and, and be the best that we possibly can. And, and um, I think the best thing that we did was invest in asking kids, you know, do you think we're doing the best by you? And they'll tell you. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of questions, as hard as the answers can be, really help inform our practice. Good point. Yeah. Christy, if anybody wants more information, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can just email me directly. Um, it's K Sandvik. A lot of people spell my last name wrong. They put a C in it, but it's just S A N D V I K at be like boy ESD33.org. And this is something I'm very passionate about. I'm willing and able to talk to anybody about where to get started or if they're already started and stuck, maybe how to get unstuck. We certainly don't have all the answers far by far, but um, we, we feel like we have a pretty good uh, path going and our kids are doing some really great work and they're, they're willing and able to talk to anybody about what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, we're happy to, to share what, what we do. We, we usually present, um, at ASBA's annual conference or one of the conferences or kids present. So, you know, lots of people go to that and listen to what they have to say. They'd rather hear from them than, than me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm happy to share any of our electronic, we have scoring guides that we use and uh, rubrics and all kinds of documents and just all kinds of things that we're, we're happy to share with any interested district that's out there. Christy, thank you so much for being involved with the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. It's fantastic to talk to a passionate educational leader that really has the best interests of not just her students, but all students at heart and is willing to share that work with other districts. So we appreciate that. Thanks, Melissa. I want to let the Rural Scoop listeners know that Christy's contact information will be available in the show notes, so you can check that out at the Arizona Rural Schools Association website at azruralschools.org and get more detailed information on how to get in touch with her. Thanks again, Christy, for talking with me today. Okay, Melissa. You take care.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.